When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mystery Theater Old Time Radio, a podcast that takes you back to the golden age of radio, where mysteries unfold in the shadows and suspense keeps you on the edge of your seat. So grab your detective hats and get ready for another thrilling adventure. Brothers, makers of Rinso, R-I-N-S-O, Soapy Rich Rinso presents Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. A string of valuable pearls was stolen sometime today from this shop. Huh? I personally took them out of the safe and put them in the showcase this morning. Mm, might be an inside job. How about your employees, Mr. Gordon? Well, just those two women you see behind the counters, that's all. Huh? Mrs. Phillips, the short, gray-haired woman, has been here 20 came with us 18 years ago. Mm. And I trust both of them implicit bonded delivery service. And nobody came into the shop today except regular customers, eh? Nobody came in just to look around? Well, not today. And we always pay particular attention to strangers. Do you have any kind of a record of people who did come in? Yes, we have a complete list. Yeah. You see, when someone comes in to have something repaired, we give him a receipt and keep the duplicate. And when anyone purchases an article, well, naturally, we enter that in our records, too. Good, I'd like to see... Yes, Mr. Gordon. Bring me today's sales records, please. Yes, sir. That list might give me a lead, but with my luck, I doubt it. Yes, sir, Mr. Gordon. I'll take that, Mr. Phillips. Yes, sir. You see Mrs. Van Dyke Smythe, George Ellis. Lady Mary Andrews. Mm, let's see now. Hey, this name here. Is this man a customer of yours? Oh, yes, sir. For many years. Mm. He was in about noon to get suspicious of him. Mr. Gordon, when a string of pearls is missing from a certain store, and a certain party was in that certain store, and that certain party's name is Boston Blackie, I am suspicious. <laughs> in a few moments, we'll meet Boston Blackie. But right now... I'm told by the best authorities that when you ladies set out to buy a dress, you're mighty particular about the color. And so it stands to reason that once you've got exactly the right color, the one that does the most for you is the expression, I believe, you do your level best to see that it stays that color by the most careful laundering. Yes, you pick a soap you know to be reliable, like soapy rich Rinso, for instance. Well, you see, Rinso's peppy studs get out more dirt, but they're safe for washable colors. Leaves them crisp and vivid, even after dozens and dozens of washing. 
And because you don't have to do any hard scrubbing or boiling with Rinso, your clothes will stay new-looking longer. So better get Rinso before next wash day. For an easier wash day, and for a wash that's Rinso bright and <laughs> Rinso white. And now to the latest adventure of Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> this will kill Blackie Matthews. <laughs> I'll have him so cold he could refrigerate a warehouse. Well, I don't know, Inspector. I, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. Of course you don't know. Get this set up. Look from Gordon's jewelry shop today when he left his watch to be repaired. You going to pick him up, Inspector? No, 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 not now. But tomorrow. Tomorrow he's going to call for his watch, and there's going to be a tray full of very valuable stones practically under his nose. And nobody will be watching him. Blackie will lift a trinket or two, and when he gets outside the store, we grab it. How does it sound? I don't yes, know, man. Inspector. I don't know. But if it just wasn't black. Oh, Matthews, you're fired. Blackie. Hey, Blackie. Has Fatty been here, Blackie? Has he? Well, not that I can remember. I haven't seen the inspector in a week. You know, I think I'm on his hate parade. Oh, you'll be seeing him, Blackie. Yes? The boys just tipped me off that he's after you for lifting a string of pearls from the Gordon Jewelry shop this afternoon. Well, isn't that nice? I didn't take them shorty. I know. But that ain't going to stop Faraday from trying to pin it on you. Oh, he does that from force of habit. By the way, I left my watch to be fixed at Gordon's this noon. Oh, that's probably what gave Faraday his big idea. Yes, and, uh, and you say a string of pearls is missing, huh? That's what the man said. Shorty. I saw one of the clerks put a string of pearls in her handbag just before she went to lunch. No kidding, Bob? Yes. Yes, it was Mrs. Phillips. Oh, you've seen her, Shorty, a little gray-haired old lady. She's uh, been at Gordon's for years. You think she lifted the pearls? Well, I didn't at the time. Oh, no, it couldn't be. Mrs. Phillips isn't a thief, but she's a dear, sweet person. She looks like everybody's mother. Okay, boss, okay. I ain't the one who said she snatched them. But the pearls are gone. I'll get it, Shorty. Okay. Hello, Boston Blackie speaking. Oh, Mr. Blackie, this is Mrs. Phillips from Gordon's Jewelry Shop. Oh, yes. Yes, what can I do for you, Mrs. Phillips? I must see you right away. My address is 722 Alden, apartment 4B. I'm definitely at your service. Be right over. Goodbye. Going before dinner, boss? But something's cooking. You're right, Shorty. And I'm going to find out what it is. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Blackie. How do you do, Mrs. Phillips? Won't you come in? <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry Mr. Phillips isn't here. Large night, you know. He's been here one night a week with the boys for the last 35 years. Oh, I see. Well, uh, what did you want to see me about, Mrs. Phillips? Uh, Mr. Blackie, I understand you're suspected of taking a string of pearls from the Gordon jewelry shop. I heard Inspector Faraday tell Mr. Gordon. That's right. He thinks I took them, and uh, I think you did. Oh. You see, I saw you put those pearls in your handbag. You saw me? Uh-huh. Oh, Mr. Blackie, please. Please don't say anything to anybody about this, please. Well, I'm afraid I'll have to, Mrs. Phillips, if the police get too annoyed. I'm sorry I've implicated you. It's been on my mind all evening. That's why I phoned you. Now, look. Look, suppose you just put those pearls back in the morning, and then there won't be any trouble. Now, how's that? But I can't do that. I haven't got them. Did you sell them? You know, they could be traced to you if you did. Uh, uh, I didn't sell them. 
I can't tell you anything about them. I'm in terrible trouble. Well, why not let me help you, Mrs. Phillips? Nobody can help me. It's something that happened years ago. But I don't dare tell you about it. Don't dare, huh? No. Sounds as if somebody was blackmailing you. Does your husband know? No. No, he must not ever know. Good kidding. Well, of course you know your blackmailer won't be satisfied with just the pearls, Mrs. Phillips. Next, he'll want something else. You'll never be rid of him unless he stops. I'm afraid to tell you anything, Mr. Blackie. But you're right. He isn't satisfied with just the pearls. He told me when I gave them to him. Oh. Uh-huh. I see. He doesn't waste much, much time, does he? What is it he wants now, Mrs. Phillips? Come on, please tell me. A ruby. A 20-carat ruby we have in stock. I see. And what would happen if he didn't get the ruby? Something terrible. But I won't let it happen. It mustn't happen. I'll get him what he wants. Well, perhaps what he wants won't be there for you to take tomorrow. You mean you'll take it first? Well. Oh, you couldn't. You mustn't for your own sake as well as mine. For my sake? Yes. This morning, Inspector Faraday told Mr. Gordon that he was going to lay a trap for you tomorrow when you come to your watch. They're going to put some jewels on the counter where you can get them easily. And then they're going to arrest you as you leave the store. Oh, they are, are they? That's very interesting. You won't take that ruby now, will you, Mr. Blackie? I've got to get it. To keep someone from talking. Well, I don't know, Mrs. Phillips. I, uh, I've got an idea that from now on, I'm going to do all your talking for you. Yes, sir. Hey, there's Blackie's car now. They're coming along the street. You see it? Yeah, almost opposite the store. He's driving pretty slow. Come on, Matthew. Let's get out of sight. Yeah. Blackie, you're crazy. Here we were yesterday minding our own business. No pearls, no rubies, no trouble. Now where are we? Right in front of Gordon's jewelry store. And we're about to stop, Shorty. We still have no pearls, no rubies, but plenty of trouble. And I'm afraid we're going to have more. You mean you're going across the street to Gordon's and lift that ruby like you said? Certainly. Mrs. Phillips is in trouble, and I'm going to help her. Uh-huh. I'd like to meet whoever's blackmailing that lovely old lady, Shorty. And that ruby is going to be my introduction. Okay, okay. So you meet him, so you take care of him. That old lady still stole the pearls. That's still a crime. I'll get those pearls back. And give her the ruby to put back, too. Then nobody will be hurt. Except our blackmailing friend. Well, what about the trap they set oh, for you? Oh, that? Well, that makes it more interesting, Shorty. You see this cigar? Yeah, yeah, sure, I see. Well, look. The center is hollowed out. Uh-huh. That's why you're here. You brought me along because the center of the cigar is a hole in it? That's right. Now, when I come out of the store, I'll be smoking a cigar, and when Faraday grabs me, I'm going to be so surprised, I'm going to drop it. And you're going to pick it up. Me, boss? Uh-huh. I'm going to pick up a butt just like the old days? <laughs> That's right, Shorty. And you're going to take very good care of it. Because in that hole in the cigar, there's going to be a 20-carat ruby. So long. Okay, Blackie. Good luck. Thanks. Well, good morning. Uh, Hello there, Mr. Gordon. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Blackie. Well, I'm busy right now with this young lady. Oh. Uh, Mrs. Phillips has your watch ready for you. Good morning, Mrs. Phillips. Beautiful morning, isn't it? Uh, You have my watch? Why, yes, sir. 
Oh, 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 it's your cigar. I'm sorry, Mrs. Phillips. Oh, 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 my, what lovely rubies. Uh, here's your watch, Mr. Blackie. That would be five dollars. Please, please don't touch the rubies. Five dollars, eh? Well, thank you very much. Uh, there you are. Goodbye, Mrs. Phillips. Mr. Blackie, you shouldn't have... Goodbye, Mr. Gordon. I'll take another step, Blackie. Oh, Inspector Farrell. Oh. What? You, you startle me. Yeah, I see. Now get back in that store and keep your hands in the air. Matthews? Yeah, Inspector. Now get the boys on all sides of Mr. Boston Blackie. We're going back in the store and searching. Hey, the, the ruby's missing. Yeah, no, no. He took the ruby. Take it easy. Take it easy, Mr. Gordon. Of course he took it. I told you he would, didn't I? Yes, but when will I get it back? That's as soon as we search Blackie. Which we're going to do in the back room right now, Mr. Gordon. Good. Well, it's nice of you, Inspector, to have provided a police escort back into the store. Don't mention this, Blackie. You make bad bargains. What do you mean? You've only had that ruby 30 seconds, and it's going to cost you 30 years. <laughs> now, let's get back in the other room and start your search. Uh, by the way, Inspector, don't forget to look in my pocket. <laughs> What did you do with that ruby blanket? <laughs> we searched you from head to foot and we can't find it. We must have it. I saw it on the tray just a minute before he came in. And after he left, it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you arrested him before he could move from the door. He must still have it. Well, uh, 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 you know, maybe I swallowed it. Very clever, Blackie. Yeah, very clever. I've got an idea. Maybe you did swallow it. Are you kidding? Well, we'll soon find out. I'm going to see what you look like behind a fluoroscope. <laughs> I see. You want to get the inside story. Well, it seems as though Boston Blackie's plan to steal the ruby might have suffered disaster. However, we'll see about that in a moment. Right now, maybe it's the heat, but I definitely feel a poem coming on. Here goes. There was a young housewife named May, who, if you asked her, would say... My what? A delight. Yes, it's white. Rinso white. For Rinso's suds, hip, hip, hooray. Yes, many a woman cheers those rich, heavy Rinso suds. Not only because they help her to turn out such a dazzling Rinso white wash, but because they save her so much hard work and time. And these hot August wash days, that's something. Well, I think I just give up. If I had to pick up heavy loads of clothes, put them in a steaming boiler, lift them out, scrub the light out of them. Stop, I can't bear the whole idea. It certainly is different than the Rinso way. Heavens, yes. I just pop my dirty clothes into a tub full of rich rinse suds, let them soak a little while, give the extra dirty places a few quick finger rubs, and they're ready to rinse. You hear that, ladies? It's a mighty fine prescription for a hot weather wash day or any wash day. Better get rinse tomorrow. <laughs> Now back to Chester Morris as Boston Blackie. In order to deal with the unknown man who is threatening aged Mrs. Mary Phillips, Boston Blackie has stolen a 20-carat ruby from the Gordon jewelry shop and hidden it in a cigar. Inspector Faraday has been unable to find the ruby, but now has an idea that Blackie has swallowed it. I didn't swallow the ruby, Inspector. I'm strictly on a milk diet. You'll see, Blackie, as soon as you stand in back of that machine. Faraday, the fact that the ruby was 20 carats is throwing you a little... See, a ruby is completely indigestible, believe me. Very funny. Now get back at that machine, Blackie. All right, all right. But supposing the ruby doesn't show up. Am I excused for the rest of the day, teacher? Get back at that bird, All right, all right. Now, how's this? Yeah. Now just stand there. All right. Turn on the machine, Doc. All right. 
I love you, Inspector. It's an improvement. I can't... How does this work, John? Mm-hmm. Any object such as a ruby will show up clearly if he has swallowed it. You see anything? Now, don't tell me you see a strange man and I'm going on a train. Me neither. Okay, turn it off. Come on out, Blackie. All right, put your shirt on and then beat it. I can't hold you. Oh, bless you. Bless you, Faraday. Bless you know, it takes a big man to know when he's licked. I'm not licked yet. That's what I mean. Oh. Good day, gentlemen. Just a minute. Did you spread the rumor that I got away with a ruby shorty? Yeah, yeah. I spread the story all over town just like you said, boss. Then if I'm lucky, this is the fish that swallowed the bait. Coming. How do you do? Wilson Blackie? Yes, that's right. My name's Tom Elliott, sir. It's nice to say. All right, if I sit down? Certainly. Make yourself at home. You can give me the ruby you took from the Gordon jewelry shop this morning. I know you've got it. Oh, you do, huh? Well, why should I give it to you? I believe you're going to want to give it to me. And just why am I going to want to give you the ruby, Mr. Elliott? You know Mrs. Noah? Ever meet her husband? Wonderful man. They're crazy about each other. I've been for 35 years. Well, what about it? Rather interesting story. You see, before he married her, that's 35 years ago, he escaped from prison. Of course, she didn't know anything about it when she married him. When did she find out? When I told her. Oh. I had to tell her, you see. If I had uh, come to him with this story, I'd have gotten nothing out of him. He'd have committed suicide and given himself up. I see. So, uh... So you want his wife because you uh, you went to his wife because you knew you'd do anything to protect your husband. Even steal to keep him from going back to jail. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And her long and trustworthy service in the garden shop completed the setup. Well, you know, that's just about the way I figured it. Only I didn't know the details. Uh, I told them to you for one reason. Yes? If you don't give me the ruby, I intend to turn John Phillips over to the police. Well, do I get it, Blackie? You get it. Good, and I uh, don't want any interference from now on, either. Let's understand that, too. I understand. All right, here's the stone. Now, get out of here before I forget that your scheme is foolproof. Goodbye, Mr. Blackie. You're a very... What's up? Tell that man that just left here. Hi. I'd like to know why a rat like that lives, and I'd also like to know where. Oh, hello, Mrs. Phillips. Uh, may I come in? Please do, Mr. Blackie. Thanks. The police didn't find the ruby? No, of course not. But your friend, Mr. Elliot, called on me. He told you? Uh-huh, everything. Now, look, Mrs. Phillips. I, uh, I guess maybe I'm a sentimental sort of a fella, but I believe anybody who's gone straight for 35 years is entitled to a break. Oh, it sounds so wonderful to hear you say that. Why, there's a story in the papers almost every week about some governor pardoning a man who gives himself up after years of going straight, oh, providing he hadn't been convicted of a major crime. Well, you see, John had been gambling and signed it. Oh. I investigated his case. Of course, he doesn't know it. Well, he won't. Now, I think I have a plan that'll work. We have two things to do. Get back the pearls and the rubies and prevent Tom Elliott from talking. The first is easy. Uh, the second, well, <laughs> we've got a slim chance. Is there anything you want me to do? Yes, definitely. In half an hour, I want you to call Inspector Faraday and tell him that you know a man who escaped from jail 35 years ago. What? Now, please trust me, Mrs. Phillips. It's the only way I know that we can stop Elliot. But I don't see how that will stop him. Well, I I couldn't do that to John. Well, don't you see you're doing it for John? Now, first of all, you're to tell Faraday that the man who escaped from jail 35 years ago is a man named, oh, make up any name, say Fred Mullins. 
Um, then act a little bewildered. Don't tell him who you are and just say you know Mullins is free, but you don't know where he is. Then what do I do? Then you're to hang up. I don't understand, but if you say so, I'll do it. Oh. Thank you, Mr. Blackie. And that thank you comes from my heart. I was afraid my world had come to an end. Oh, Mrs. Phillips, this is only the beginning. Oh, come on. Let me see you smile. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Bye. Hello? Shorty. Oh, hello, boss. Say, I got that guy's hideout, Peg. It's uh, 1761 East 13th. Uh, uh, apartment 6B. Good. Now, listen, Shorty. I want you to call Faraday. Yeah? Disguise your Alan B., who happens to be in the city, and who also happens to have escaped from prison 35 years ago. Well, who's the Faraday, boss? Gee, I thought I knew him all. Oh, I just made it up. Oh. Play dumb, Shorty, and we'll have Mr. Faraday good and confused. <laughs> Won't be the first time. Yeah. Okay, Blackie, it's as good as done. Thanks. See you later. Inspector Faraday, I have some information. Yeah, who is it? Oh, that ain't important, but there's something that is. Huh? You know, I know a man who escaped from jail 35 years ago, and his name is Edward Allenby. Yeah? There'd be a feather in your cap if you arrested him. Look, I got enough feathers now to be an Indian chief. Where is this Allenby? I don't know. What jail did he bust out of? I don't know that either. Uh, what is this? April Fool's Day? Goodbye. <laughs> Barry talking. I just wanted to tell you, Inspector, that a man named Fred Mullins escaped from jail 35 years ago. Huh? You can find him if you hurry, but I don't know where you're to hurry to. Uh, Goodbye. Hey, 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 wait a minute. What is this, an epidemic of crackpot? Hello. Hello. You hung up. Yeah, Barry speaking. This is Blackie, Inspector. Oh, I've got a tip for you. I know a man who escaped. If you're going to tell me about somebody who was supposed to have broken out of jail 35 years ago, Blackie, I'll ring your neck. All right, Inspector, all right, then I won't tell you. Goodbye. Six, boss. Getting out, please. Thank you. Boston Blackie. Oh, no, you don't, Elliot. No closing doors in people's faces. It isn't polite. You, uh, you mind if I come in? What do you want here? Well, I want that ruby I loaned you. And the pearls Mrs. Phillips gave you yesterday. Oh, you do, eh? Uh-huh. You see, Mrs. Phillips is going to put them back in the store tomorrow morning when Mr. Gordon can find them. You'll think they were just misplaced. Your memory isn't very good, Blackie. And you weren't supposed to interfere anymore, remember? And I was supposed to forget about John Phillips cracking out of jail. Yes, 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 I know. Only that doesn't matter now. Now, let's have those pearls and that ruby, Elliot. Sorry, Blackie, but they're staying with me. And I'd advise you to stand still. Oh, a gun, huh? Pretty unoriginal. But I'd expect that from a small-time crook that blackmails old women. This gun has killed two men, Blackie. That's all. With me on the trigger. And you know what they say about uh, all things coming in three? Yes. Uh, the expression is all good things. Don't worry, this will be good. I'm going to leave town until I need more money, then I'm coming back and put a little pressure on Mrs. Phillips again. I know a fence out west who'll pay a fortune for those pearls and that ruby. My bag is packed and I'm on my way. But I'm, uh, I'm afraid I've got to kill you first. Well, you know that, uh, that 38 is liable to make a lot of noise. Yes, but this silencer will make sure nobody hears it. I see. Hey, 
Keep your hand out of your pocket. Oh, I, I haven't a gun, Elliot. I just wanted to get my cigarette case. Okay? Yes. But it'll be the last cigarette you <laughs> Well, at least this is one way of breaking the habit. Will you have one? Sure. Hey, that's an expensive case. Yes. I'll take it with me when I go. I have a lovely gold inlay you might like also. Now, don't get too close. Just stand where you are and hold that case out as far as you can. I can reach. Oh, you mean like, uh, like this? Yes. Thoughtful of you, Blackie. I'll take this. Ow! Sucker! I don't know when I've enjoyed doing anything so much. Those pretty little fingers of yours are going to hurt tomorrow, Elliot. So you killed two men, huh? Well, I can't wait to tell Faraday. Now, come on, hand over that jewelry, Rat. I'm in a hurry. I can't wait till I see the expression on a lovely little old lady's face.
I mean, no Boston Blackie's dead. I told you, Matthews. All I know is some guy called me on the phone and said that after I'd come down here to Blackie's apartment, I could pick up the remains. Who called you? I don't know. He hung up on me. You think it's another one of Blackie's tricks? Well, we'll know pretty soon. If it is, I'll break every bone in his body. So here we are, sixth floor. He's in six B here. Hey, Chief. Look. Huh? There's a guy flat on his face right outside the door. Don't believe it. Gee, bumped off right outside his own apartment. Yeah. He's a swell guy, Matthew. One of the best. Mm. Sure, he got me sore now and then, and I used to rib him, but when I came right down to cases, he was a swell guy. I'll get the guy who did this if it's the last thing I ever do. Writing my epitaph, Faraday? Huh? I hate to disappoint you, but that body isn't mine. Boston Black. <laughs> Summertime means warm weather, and that means more perspiration. Use Life Boy in your daily bath or shower to protect yourself. You'll love its rich, purifying lather. Remember, too, that of seven leading brands, Life Boy gives you the most soap for your money. And besides, it's the only soap especially made to stop. to listen at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie. You can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater. Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Richard Lane appears as Inspector Faraday, music by Charles Cornell. This is Harlow Wilcox saying goodnight for Boston Blackie, brought to you by the makers of Rinso, the soap that gets clothes. Rinso White. <laughs> This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. Well, right about now, you're probably taking a little breather in your last-minute rush to get everything ready for the big day tomorrow. Children have to be put to bed to wait for Santa Claus, and there's the tree waiting to be decorated, and oh, a million and one things which must be done before morning. I sure hope you got all your Christmas shopping done. It's pretty hectic rushing off at the last minute to take care of Uncle Charlie or Aunt Bertha or Cousin Sam. But if you must get something, just remember that you can always dash over to your wine merchant and get a bottle or two of Petri wine. Or better yet, a whole case of Petri wine. Petri wine's a swell gift, and I just thought a little last-minute suggestion might be of some help. And now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. Come in, come in, come in. Ah, there you are, Mr. Bartell. 
Oh, say, Doctor, I can see you're going to have yourself quite a Christmas. Big tree in the corner with colored lights on it. Where'd you get those? Table covered with presents? You must be mighty popular. Oh, they aren't all for me, my boy. You see, I'm having a Christmas party tomorrow for my housekeeper's little nieces. Oh. I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus for them. <laughs> well, I'm sure you look very convincing in the part. Oh, by the way, Doctor, I, uh, I brought you a little present. Ooh, Here it is. I hope you'll like it. <laughs> I got one for you, too, here, Summer. Oh, you, you uh, mustn't open it until tomorrow. Here you are, my boy. Thanks a lot, Doctor. And uh, now, how's about tonight's story? Last week, you told us you'd chosen an adventure with a lot of Christmassy atmosphere. Yes, Mr. Bartell. My story begins on another Christmas Eve many, many years ago. To be exact, in 1886. The time the adventure occurred, I must confess I didn't quite understand what was going on myself. In fact, I never did uh, quite make head or tails of it until, until Holmes took pity on me later and explained the, the whole thing. But I shan't try to confuse you, Mr. Bartell. I'll tell you the story exactly as it happened. Right you are, Doctor. Let's go. Very well. On that Christmas Eve in 86, I was standing in our Baker Street rooms, dressed in the costume of uh, Santa Claus. Holmes, his long, thin fingers pressed together, lay back in an armchair and gazed at me quizzically, while our housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson, stood by the door and... Uh... Dr. Watson... You make a grand Santa Claus. <laughs> Doesn't he, Mrs. Hudson? <laughs> Try the beard on, Watson, old chap. I'm afraid this is going to be a little uncomfortable. Uh, uh, how, uh, how does it look? <laughs> oh, you look just like the old man on the Christmas cards, Doctor. <laughs> yes, Watson. It really becomes you. <laughs> the cheery twinkle of the eyes, the ruddy complexion, and the, uh, the appropriate girth. What a shame we can't obtain some snow on a sleigh and reindeer for you. However, I'm... Sure, Mrs. Hudson's nieces will be very much impressed. Well, they will that, sir. And it's very kind of you, Doctor, to offer to come over to their house with me. With oh, no. father in the hospital and my sister at his bedside, it would have been a very miserable Christmas without oh, you. Oh, I shall enjoy myself, but I think I'll take this beard off before we get there. That's it. Are you ready to leave, Mrs. Hudson? I am, sir. Will I get a cab? How far do we have to go? Oh, Lexington Gardens, number 28. It's just off the Edgeware Road, Doctor. Well, not far, but bearing in mind my costume, I suppose we'd better take a cab. Aye, sir. I'll get one. Holmes, what are you going to do with yourself? I hate leaving you alone on Christmas Eve. Oh, don't worry, old chap. I shall spend a profitable evening writing on my new monograph. Well, what's this one about? An analysis of teeth marks on pipe stems, with particular regard to indicated character. Oh, gracious me, how exciting. Well... I must be going. <laughs> Don't forget your sack of presents, old fellow. No, 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 no. Uh, when you come to distribute them, you'll find that I took the liberty of adding a few trinkets on my own behalf. Oh, that's very thoughtful of you, Holmes. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Holmes, but there's a gentleman to see you. Says he's an old friend of yours. Here's his card, sir. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's Lord Whittacombe. Splendid. Ask him to come up, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. And I hope your party is a great success, Mrs. Hudson. Well, thank you, sir. Are you sure you don't want me to stay uh, now that you have a visitor? Oh, no, 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 no. Indeed, no, Mrs. Hudson. I can show the gentleman out myself. You go off and have a good time. Thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder what Lord William wants. Perhaps I should stay. No, and no, you... please, my dear fellow. Certainly not. Yeah? yeah, you've far more important work to do. William probably wants his revenge at chess or something equally innocuous. Off with you, my dear fellow, and enjoy yourself. Oh, I'd better go. Just the same, I wish you were coming with me. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. I shall be there. Uh, come on up, Whittacombe. Hello, Holmes. 
Evening, Watson. You make a very convincing Santa Claus. Are you leaving? I am afraid so, Lord Willingham. Well, good night, then. Uh, good night, good night, sir. How are you, Holmes? All alone on Christmas Eve, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yes, Willingham, I'm glad you came over to see me. Mm-hmm. What's it to be, an evening of chess or... Have you unearthed some recent treasure of medieval pottery that we can discuss? Neither, Holmes. I've come to you in your professional capacity. I, I need help. Oh, 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 oh. come now, Whittacombe. Don't tell me that after all these years of quiet friendship, you're going to become a client. I'm afraid so, Holmes. Though I doubt if my problem will, problem will interest you very much. It's hardly up to your uh, uh, rather colourful standards. Uh, care for a cigar? Oh, thanks. Ah. Well, now, my dear Whittacombe, What's your trouble? Well, I decided this year to have a little Christmas party at my townhouse. I'm quite comfortably off, as you know, and it occurred to me that I have several relatives and friends who are not as well off. I'm having a party for them tonight, Holmes, and I hope you'd attend it, disguised as uh, Santa Claus. Oh, my dear fellow, I've adopted many disguises in my time, but Father Christmas has never been one of them. Why do you want me to attend your party in disguise in any case? You ashamed of your friendship with a, a private detective, or um, do you consider my features more acceptable when buried beneath the depths of a snowy beard? Oh, my dear Holmes, do take me seriously. I'm not joking, I assure oh, you. Of course you're not, of course you're not. You, uh, you want me to attend your party in disguise. Why? I'm giving some very valuable presents, uh, diamond and onyx cufflinks, uh, mm-hmm. platinum and ruby earrings, and then such like, and I've wrapped each of the presents in banknotes. Oh, dear me. Uh, where are these presents now? In a sack, in charge of my butler. I was going to dress up as Santa Claus and give them out myself, until I got the warning letter. That's why I've come to you. Warning letter, eh? Yes, I received it by this evening's post. Listen to this. <clears throat> my dear Lord Whittacombe, your generosity with Christmas presents borders on ostentation. We do not approve. Neither we receive £5,000 in sovereigns at post-restaurant... Box 379 by 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, or I'm afraid your Christmas party will be conspicuous by its absence of presents. Let me see that note, Whittingham, will you? Yes, here you are. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Plain paper, torn from a penny notebook. The writing is obviously disguised, and it... By George, yes. Whittingham, I accept the case. I'll come with you to your party at once, and furthermore, I shall follow your suggestion regarding a disguise. Dressed as Santa Claus, I shall be less likely to attract suspicion. I'm delighted, Holmes. But uh, what made you decide so suddenly? This writing, my dear fellow, this writing. Oh, it's uh, in a false hand. I'd know that characteristic M in my dear Whittacombe. I've seen it too often at the beginning of a signature. Moriarty. Moriarty? Who's he? Oh, one of the cleverest and most unscrupulous criminals in England. Whittacombe, there's no time to be lost. It's, let me see now, 6.30... Half an hour beyond the deadline given you in this letter. We must go to your house at once. This is as far as the card can take us, Doctor. Oh, here you are, cabbie. Here's five shillings for you and a, a Merry Christmas. Oh, bless you, gentlemen, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> uh, you said you wanted to get into the house through the back way so that you could surprise the children. Yes, I thought well, I'd tend to thought... come down the kitchen chimney. Oh, you can get to the back of the house by going up the alley here. I'll go in the front door. Splendid, splendid, Mrs. Hudson. Which is the house? Number 28. It's the third one down the alley, Doctor. I'll have the back window open in no time, and you can slip in without any of the bairns seeing. Very well. Uh, gloomy little street, I must say. Well, that was 
Where's the music coming from? Oh, it's from that temple across the street, Doctor. The disciples of the octagonal square, they call themselves. What on earth do you suppose that means? Oh, some newfangled cult. Heathens, most likely. Oh, hello, hello. I'm not the only Santa Claus abroad tonight. Look at that fellow across the street over there. Oh, dressed just like yourself, Doctor, and carrying a sack, too. Oh, he's running up the steps to the temple. Great Scott, he, he slipped on the ice. Oh, I wonder what his hurry was. Here, here, my man. Oh, oh, oh be careful now, sir. Doctor. Dinner trip for yourself. Here you are, sir. Now, give me a hand. Uh, thank you, sir. Silly uh, of me, wasn't it? Oh, we Santa Claus have to help each other, you know. Up you come. That's it. Woo! Oh, 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 must be a disciple of the octagonal square. Oh, you're sure you're no hurt, Doctor? No, no, of course not, Mrs. Hudson. Give me my sack, please. Thank you. Your sister's house is the third one down this alleyway, you say? I'll hurry and open the back window. Yes, I'll be waiting for you, Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> this is going to be rather fun. What a shame Holmes isn't with us. Oh, well, he's probably happier having a good game of chess with Lord Willicombe. This is my house, Holmes, number 39. 39 Branson Square, eh? And dear old Watson is just around the corner in Lexington Gardens and hasn't any idea that I've left Baker Street. Yes, uh, here you are, Caddy. Uh, thank you, sir. A uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Uh-huh. Listen to that. Carol singers. Yes, we'll probably have our fill of them before this evening's over. Good evening, my lord. Have the, have the guests arrived, Hargreave? Most of them, sir. They're in the library. You brought another Santa Claus with you, I see, my lord. Another Santa Claus? What do you mean? The gentleman arrived three quarters of an hour ago, sir, dressed as Santa Claus. I took him to your study, my lord, and showed him the sack of presents. Confound it! He's got here before us. Where's the study? This way. I hope I didn't do wrong, my lord. You told me that a gentleman dressed as Santa Claus would be coming here... Dear me, the gentleman appears to have gone. Yes, and the sack containing the presents with him. But he can't have left the house, my lord. I, I've been watching the front door. Yes, and while you were doing that, he slipped out through the window here. The catch is undone. Hargrave, describe this man. Well, I can't tell you much about his appearance, I'm afraid, sir. He was dressed as Santa Claus, just like yourself. But I did notice one thing about him, sir. Oh, what was that? He lisped, sir. It was quite pronounced. Of course. Lou the Lisper. Who on earth is Lou the Lisper? One of Moriarty's most trusted accomplices. Fortunately, though, I've had... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. News of him lately through my underworld grapevine. You, uh, you know where he lives? He is reputed to have some uh, connections with a new cult that calls themselves the Disciples of the Octagonal Square. Their headquarters are just around the corner from here. Let, let's go there at once. Of course, and Hargrave. Yes, sir. Get a message to Scotland Yard as fast as you can. Ask for Inspector Lestrade and tell him to join me at the Temple of the Octagonal Square in Lexington Gardens as soon as possible. Oh, the children are awful excited, Doctor. I told them you just came down the chimney. I'll slip the beard on and then I'll go into them. There we are. Will I announce you, Doctor? Yes, yes, please, Miss Hudson. All right, sir. Now, children, quiet. Santa Claus has come to see you, and he's brought you all presents. Oh, hello, hello, children. Did you come down the chimney? Yes, Bertie. I bet you had a time doing it. You're so fat. Oh, don't be rude, Bertie. Santa Claus won't give you your presents. And what's your name, little man? Maya, though. I've got a cold. Yes, I see you have. Uh, well, children, gather around me and I'll see what presents I got for you. Uh, Let me see, Bertie. Uh, the uh, first present is for... Oh, can't be right. It says for her grace... The Dowager Duchess of Beulah. Oh, do you suppose Mr. Holmes has been playing a practical joke on you, Doctor? I suppose so. Well, I can't see the point myself. But he did say that he'd added a few trinkets of his own. I want my present. Then supposing you take this, Elsa. Oh, good. Thank you. And this one is marked for the Reverend Arthur Carter. Okay. I knew what Holmes was up to. Uh, uh, here you are, Bertie. Cool, thanks. And this is for you, Lionel, because... You've been a, a good little boy. It's a very big, is it? I wanted the dog. Oh, I wanted the dog. Well, I'll bring you a dog next year, Lionel. Dr. Watson. Yes? Look at the wrapping on these presents, Dr. Weather. Twenty-pound notes. It's cut. Oh, oh. Ooh, look what I got. Now, let me see. Why, uh, cufflinks and Doctor, diamond and onyx. Ones, unless I'm very much mistaken. I got pretty earrings. Look how they sparkle. Let me see. I'll see. Oh. Gracious, I swear that these what are platinum and rubies. What in thunder's going on? I want my earring back. Give me back mine, too. Well, 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 well here, here you are, here Dr. you are. Dr. Watson, what do you suppose has happened? I don't know, Mrs. Hudson. Perhaps my toys are still at the bottom of the sack. I can't understand it. Oh. I wish Holmes were here instead of dozing in front of our fire in Baker Street. <laughs> Where are you, Holmes? Here by the bed. This is the only room in the temple that gives any signs of having been lived in. I think our bird has been here, but I'm afraid he's flown. If Inspector Lestrade will get here, strike a match, will you, Whittacombe? Right. Ah, here's a candle on the table. Oh, just as I feared. Look on the bed. A red coat. 
And a beard? Yes, Lou, the lippers, discarded his disguise and gone. And with him, I'm afraid, your valuable presence. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a sack lying on the floor. Oh, no, this isn't mine. Look what's in it. A toy dog. Large box of chocolates. Little girl's dog. What is thunder? Well, this is Watson's sack. But how on earth could Lou the Lisper have got hold of it? Somewhere, somehow, he, Watson, must have made an accidental change. And Lou the Lisper is no doubt trying to track Watson down at this very moment. He must work fast, Willigam. Or my friend's life and those of Mrs. Hudson and our relatives won't be worth our tinker's dam. Oh, now, Doctor, you can't break off your story there. Oh, yes, I can, my boy. Before I go on, I thought we'd have a glass port just to, <laughs> to freshen us up. Oh, well, that's <laughs> that's something different. Of course. Instead of talking about port, as I sometimes do, it'll be nice to drink some for a change. There you are, my boy, and a, and a Merry Christmas to you. The same to you. And now, what happened next, Doctor? We left you at the children's Christmas party in Sherlock Holmes and Lord Whittaker around the corner at the Temple of the Octagonal Square. Yes, Mr. Bartell, although at the time, of course, I had no idea what was going on. There I was, cheerfully handing out gifts worth, well, if not a king's, at least a baronet's ransom. While outside the Temple of the Octagonal Square, Holmes and Lord Whittaker were talking to Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. In a nutshell, Lestrade. Yeah, seems to me, Lord Whittacombe, you'd have been wiser to get in touch with Scotland Yard when you first got the warning note. We could have nabbed him when he came to your house and pinched the sack of presents. Lestrade, this is no time for post-mortems. We've got to reach Lou the Lisper before he finds Dr. Watson. Do you suppose he can do that, Holmes? It wouldn't be difficult. Lou the Lisper is nearly as clever as his master, Professor Moriarty. The chances are that you were followed when you came to Baker Street tonight, Whittacombe. It's equally likely that Watson and Mrs. Hudson were followed as they left it. Mariotti seldom leaves anything to chance. Well, where did Dr. Watson go tonight? The Lexington Gardens. It's just around the corner from here. Well, then let's go there at once. Fight not quarry away. No, 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 Bastard. We must use a little subtlety. Now, Lou the Lisper wishes to recover that sack of presents from Watson. How would he invade the party with the least possible trouble? By, uh, by dressing up as Santa Claus again? No, no, I think he's overplayed that role for one evening. Well, then how would he try to get in, Mr. Holmes? Oh, come now, Lestrade. What group of people can enter any house on Christmas Eve without invitation and without creating suspicion? The carols. Exactly, my dear fellow. I shouldn't be at all surprised if at this very moment Lou the Lisper and some of his gang are singing carols outside 28 Lexington Gardens. Well, then what are we going to do? Form a rival choral society. How many of your men did you bring with you? Three. A sergeant and two constables. Wearing greatcoats? <laughs> yes, Mr. Holmes, but why? Good. They can hide their helmets and pretend to be singers. Come on. Let's go over there, and while we're walking, we'll rehearse our carols. We must appear reasonably convincing. Sanjuray, Lestrade, Sanjuray. No, no, you mustn't make Santa Claus too tired, lad. Oh, that's all right, Mrs. Hudson. Hop on, Lyle, hop on. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice. Can't they come inside and sing for us, Santa Claus? Yes, of course they can. Ask them to come in, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, all right, sir. Oh, come on, let me get on your back, too. Oh, no, no, take it easy. Oh, there we go. I want to see your reindeer, Santa. Uh, see my reindeer? Oh, buddy, brother, tap on the roof. Oh. I'll climb up and see him. No, 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 you mustn't do that. They're asleep. Oh, here are the carol singers. Off you get, children. There we go. That's it. Now, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, and Merry Christmas. Would you like to sing some carols for the children? After that, I'm sure you'd like a drop of uh, 
Somebody warm up. Well, thank you, sir. We sure like that. Uh, haven't I uh, met you before somewhere, my man? Uh, no, sir. I'm sure you haven't. Uh, come on, man. Let's sing Good King Wentzelet. Good King Wentzelet looked out on the feast of Stephen. We are outside the house, Mr. Ohm. Now watch. Listen. Uh-huh. Luther Lisper and his men are already there. Are we going in now? In a moment. Now, men, you will have your truncheons handy. Yes, Mr. Holmes, we're ready. Splendid. Now, remember, when we're inside and I yell, Merry Christmas, at the top of my voice, you bring out your truncheons and get Luther Lisper and his gang out of there as quickly as possible. Don't arrest them until you get them outside again, Lestrade. I don't want to frighten the children. Right, you are, Mr. Holmes. We're ready. Just give us the word and we'll go in and get them. about something to warm you all up? That won't be necessary, Dr. Watson. See to the door, Sammy. Now all of you, stay right where you are. Who are you? What do you think you're up to? Please don't be difficult, Doctor. All I want is the jewels out of my sack that you stole from me tonight. If you try and stop me, I shall have to hurt you. (laughs) Why do you talk so funny? You got a cold like me? Shut up. Now, Doctor, where are the jewels? Oh, curse it. There are some more carol singers outside. Don't tell them to go away, Lou. No, better let them come in. If we don't, they might get suspicious. All right, Lou. Person, know what you're up to. Now, no tricks, Doctor. If you try and give an alarm, I shall have to get rough with well, you. I don't mind about that, but just remember that there are children present. Are there, Manny? They're all here before you, eh? Uh, what you say? We all join a little carol for the nippers, eh? Uh, well, uh, all right. Uh, what What do you want to sing? Eh, uh, man, uh, up the old angels sing, eh? Uh, all right, all right. Uh, come on, men. Let's sing. I'll explain it to you later, old chap. Lestrade! Yes, Mr. Holmes? Uh, take them to Scotland Yard and prefer charges. I'll be over in a little while and give evidence. Right you are, sir. <laughs> too bad we didn't catch Professor Moriarty, too. Well, at least we have some of his cohorts. I'll see you later, Lestrade. I wish I knew what was going on here. Is Moriarty mixed up in this business? Yes, Watson. I'll tell you all about it as soon as I've straightened this thing out. Now, uh, Whittacombe. Yes, Holmes? The 20-pound notes that you used as wrapping for your gifts seem to have been scattered all over the house. Uh, do you want me to recover them, too? No. From what you've told me of the children, I think their parents could use the money much more profitably oh. than my relatives. In any case, I can replace it. A very generous Christmas gift. Well, children, did you enjoy the uh, little game we staged for you? It was enough fun. Yes. <laughs> I nearly died laughing when they started hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, children. And now I, uh, I want you to show me the presents you received. Oh, they were a part of the game, too. A nice little girl like you doesn't want silly earrings, Elsie. Here's a beautiful doll for you. Cool. Her eyes open and everything. And what did you get, my little man? These. Oh, cufflinks. Good gracious. Who wants cufflinks when he can have a, a clockwork train? You want to exchange? 
Praying Lord love a duck, yes. I wanted the dog. There's one for you, Lionel. A nice, nice woolly dog. Oh, good. Oh. Nice... Here you are, Charlie. Here's a nice big box of chocolates, too. You can all share them. Oh, oh. mommy, what a night. I ain't had as much fun since Granny got her fingers stuck in a plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't understand what's going on, Holmes, but I, I must say this has all the earmarks of... It's been a happy Christmas. <laughs> yes, oh, oh, oh. Mrs. Hudson. Hi, Mr. Holmes. Uh, how's, the, um, how's the turkey coming along? Oh, it'll be ready in a few minutes, Mr. Holmes. Splendid. And, and while we're waiting, perhaps the children will oblige with something we haven't heard so far. Mrs. I know what you mean. A Christmas carol that really sounds convincing. How about it, children? All right, sir. Come on, Elsie. Come on, Lionel. Doctor, that was really a a swell story. On a Christmas Eve like this, do you ever wish you were back in Baker Street celebrating Christmas there? Times, yes, but actually, Mr. Bartell, I'm I'm very happy right here in my little home. There on the table is a beautiful little Christmas tree. There's a fine fire in my fireplace. My two dogs, Monty and Willie, are are sleeping peacefully at my feet. And best of it all, I've got the love of every child in in the neighborhood. Yes, I got a great deal this Christmas Eve. Lots to be thankful for. And what with the troubles of the world on their way to being settled, it looks as if this is the brightest Christmas that, that I've ever had. Well, that's how I feel about it, too, Doctor. I hope that all our friends listening in are just as happy this Christmas Eve as we are. And speaking not only for myself, but I know for all of us and for the Petri family, too, we wish every one of you a happy Christmas from the bottom of our hearts. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Well, Dr. Watson, next Monday is New Year's Eve. What story do you plan to tell us? One that I think you'll find extremely appropriate, Mr. Bartell. It takes place in a Scottish castle near Edinburgh on a New Year's Eve in 1900 and concerns a pair of lovers, an elderly baronet, and a, a strange iron box that proved to be more than worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
lurks in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of the shadow. The hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. There is enough anthracite for all the lucky householders whose homes are heated with hard coal. These homes are enjoying healthful warmth in every room. Even though winter winds blow, there is no need to cut down heat or close off rooms in homes heated with dependable hard coal. Yes, sir. When you have a supply of hard coal in your basement, you're the boss of heating your house. You are absolutely independent of any outside service. Be glad you heat with anthracite, the home heating fuel that never fails. And remember, blue coal is the finest anthracite money can buy. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. The Shadow uses his hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the Shadow belongs. Today's story, The Laughing Court. So when I see you come into the bar, I says to myself, there's a nice guy, I says. I'm a very keen judge of character. Yes, sir. So when you offer to buy me a drink, I accept. Uh, say, by the way, mister, you ain't told me your name. Uh... What kind of a place is this you took me to? Looks like a lab or something. <laughs> you know what I enjoyed? When we got into the taxi cab. Yeah, I sure enjoyed that. Driver, take us to 31 Blackwell Place. 31 Blackwell Place. <laughs> Gee, it's been a long time since I had a taxi ride. 31 Blackwell Place, just like that. Uh, sure was nice of you to bring me here. I've been sleeping in the park for, gosh... Say, what did you mean when you said we was going to conduct a little experiment? What did you mean, huh? Why aren't you talking to me? You ain't sore, are you? Well, don't talk if you don't want to. I don't care. <laughs> what are you making in those test tubes? What kind of stuff are you making? Say, why are you looking at me like that? What have I done? Don't look at me like that. Hey, don't come any closer. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. Block. Please, let me get out of here. Let me get out. What are you going to do with me? Go away. Go away, man. Hey, let go of my arm. this lovely cab drive with you, but uh, would you tell me where I'm going at this hour of the night? Well, Lamont, if you knew, you'd get angry. And not knowing makes me angrier. Shrevey. Yes, sir? Do you know where you're driving us to? Uh, let me see now. Uh, 
Uh, what was the number of that place again, Miss Lane? What was it? 31 Brackwell Place, Freezy. Oh, yeah, yeah. 31 Brackwell Place. Oh, I'm such a stupid. We've been there twice today, and all the time I keep forgetting the number. I got to get a new memory system I got to get. What was the old memory system, Shrevey? Oh, the old one was easy. You see, like, take for instance... Uh, where, what were you going, Shrevey? Oh, excuse me. Uh, you take, for instance, the digits three and one, which is the place we're going to now. I hooked the three up with my kid, which is three years old, and the one I remember is by thinking how in one year he's going to be four. <laughs> Simple, ain't it? <laughs> Elementary. How could you possibly have forgotten the address for that system, Shrevey? You know how? I got myself all mixed up with my other kid, which is six. Oh, I'm such a stupid. <laughs> Shrevey, I feel just as stupid as you do. I still don't know where we're going and why we're going to this place at 11.30 at night. Well, if you wait till tomorrow, the apartment may be rented. Shrevey, now you've given it all away. Margot. Are you taking the apartment hunting at this hour? You know I hate that. Oh, but Lamont, don't you see? I wouldn't take it unless you thought it was all right. I know, but... You know how I value your opinion. Well, why didn't you tell me sooner? I wanted to surprise you. Okay, I'm hooked. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Shrevey? Well, I was just thinking, Mr. Cranston. I was thinking how dames could twist guys right around their little fingers they could twist them. Uh, that'll be about all from you, Shrevey. Don't talk so much. Yes, sir. All right for you, Mr. Cranston. You're pretty jumpy tonight, Lamont. What's the matter? Oh, nothing, Margo. I'm just bored, that's uh, all. I know. You haven't had any to keep you busy. No criminals tracked on. That's... Shrevey, why'd you stop? Shrevey! Shrevey, why don't you answer? Mr. Cranston said I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't, so I ain't. Oh, <laughs> now, you see what you've done, Lamont? You've hurt Shrevey's feelings. I'm sorry, Shrevey. I'm in a bad humor tonight. Ah, no, you ain't, Mr. Cranston. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, here we are. This is the building. 31 Brackwell Place. Yeah, yeah, it's 31 Brackwell Place. That's why I stopped. 31 Brackwell Place. Uh, wait for it, Shrevey. Okay. Come on, up the slide steps, Lamont. All right. This certainly is a weird-looking place. Well, that's just because it's dark. Looks all right in the daylight. Yeah. Ring the superintendent's bell, will you, Lamar? Yes, ma'am. Right. Uh, Margo, uh, won't he be angry at our disturbing him at this hour? Oh, no. He told me I could come back tonight to look at the apartment. Oh. Well, what's so exceptional about this apartment, Margo? Oh, Lamont, it has these high, old-fashioned ceilings and the most glorious view of the river. Well, uh, well... What do you want? Oh, you remember me. I'm Margot Lane. I put a deposit down on one of the apartments here. So what? No, he won't be angry. Well, you said I could come back tonight to look at it. I said you could come back this evening. It's 11.30 now, young lady. You got me out of bed. Well, what did I tell you, Margot? Oh, please, Mr... Um... My name is Lascom. Please, Mr. Lascom. I, I know it's very inconsiderate to bother you at this hour, but couldn't we please see the apartment? Oh, well, come in. Thanks, down the end of this hall. Um, uh, aren't there any lights? The bulb just burned out this evening. Oh, I see. Here we are. Just a minute now till I find the light switch. Nice bright place. There. How do you like it, Lamont? Like it? I think it looks terrible. Well, of course, the place needs redecorating. Yes, and badly. Well, look at the holes in the wall. What caused that? Well, the previous tenant was Dr. Destrup. He's a chemist. He used this apartment as a kind of a laboratory. The holes are from some of his apparatus. Oh, I see. Well, what do you think, Lamont? 
Well, if you want it quiet, you've certainly got it here. Yes, and it's always like this. Always nice and quiet. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. Someone thinks something is funny, all right. Well, listen to him. <laughs> that doesn't sound like... Come on, Marco. I'm going to see what this is all about. There, Lamont. Across that door sill. Dr. Lorenz. Here, give me a hand. My body's so tense. So he's had a convulsion or something. Let's turn him over. There we are. Oh! Oh, his face. His face, Lamont. Margo, get hold of yourself. Oh, but his face, Lamont, it's all twisted up as though we were laughing. Well, don't look at it, Margo. What are we going to do? There's nothing we can do now. This man is dead. What makes you think Dr. Lorenz was murdered, Cranston? I don't know, Commissioner Weston. Just a hunch. Well, there's not a mark of violence on the body. Well, if you'd heard that terrible laugh, Commissioner, you'd think something was wrong, too. Miss Lane, I'm sorry. I didn't hear the laugh. But even if I had, there's still not a bit of evidence here. Not a single clue to indicate murder. Well, Commissioner... All right, all right. Now, you, you, uh... Lascom is my name. Oh, uh, Lascom. Now, what do you know about this? I told you Nothing. I was showing Mr. Cranston and Miss Lane that apartment when it happened. And did the dead man, Dr. Lawrence, have any enemies, Lascom? No, not that I know of. Who was the man who occupied that apartment Miss Lane was thinking of renting? Dr. Destroff, but I told you that, Commissioner West. Ah, Destroff and Lawrence. Yeah, now I remember those names. They're partners. They own a big chemical laboratory. Didn't you know that? You didn't ask me. I didn't ask you. Uh, why did Destroff move out of his apartment? He had a big argument with his partner, Dr. Lorenz, about two weeks ago, and he moved out the next day. Then he's the one who must have done it. Done what, Miss Lane? Murdered Dr. Lorenz. Miss Lane, as yet I'm not convinced that Lorenz has been murdered. In the second place, from what your cab driver, Shrevey, says, no one has come in or out of this house. Well, maybe he's still here, then. Miss Lane, my men have searched this house from top to bottom. Well, I still could... and please. I understand, Commissioner. Come on, Margo. You're going home. Commissioner. Oh, yes, Doc. What is it? How long ago was this man supposed to have died? Well, we heard the laugh and then the sound of a body falling about an hour ago. For my examination, you couldn't have. What? Huh? Are you trying to tell us that we're hearing things? Well, all I can say is it's all pretty strange. What do you mean, Doctor? Well... The body was as stiff as a board when I examined him. Rigor mortis is so far advanced, you couldn't possibly have heard him laugh tonight. What? According to my examination, Dr. Lorenz has been dead for 24 hours. The way the medical examiner talked, you think we didn't know what we were doing, Lamont. How could the man be dead and laugh? The laughing corpse. It is pretty strange, Margot. I think Commissioner Weston ought to get a new medical examiner. That's what I think. Well, Margot, you remember when I went to turn Dr. Lawrence over, I remarked that the body was stiff? And it does look as if he'd been dead for some time. But that terrible laugh, Lamont. What of that? I don't know, Margot. And Lorenz's face was contorted as though we'd been laughing. Margot, I believe it was Lawrence that we heard. Why do you say that, Lamont? Now, look at this. Why, it's a little box. It looks like a jewel box. Yes. Read what's written inside the cover. You will laugh, but not from joy. You will laugh, and the laugh will be the laugh of death. Lamont. I found this little box lying in the floor near Lorenz's body before Weston came. What do you suppose was in it, Lamont? I don't know, Margot. But I'm going to find out. 
the shadow is going to pay a visit to Dr. Destro's laboratory tonight. Perhaps there I shall find the solution to the mystery of the laughing corpse. Was in it, Shadow. Nothing, Dustroff. 
except that threat written on the inside cover. Oh, now, surely the words cannot hurt me. There may have been something in the box when Lawrence opened it. Oh, now, Shadow, my scientific curiosity will not permit me to allow this box to go unopened. I have rubber gloves on it. If it contains some strange type of poison, it, it cannot possibly hurt me. Gastroff, I'm warning you. Oh, now, Shadow, I must open it. There, there seems to be a little push button here. There. It's empty. Oh, wait. Here's a message written on the inside. You will laugh, but not from joy. You will laugh, and the laugh will be the laugh of death. The same note that Lorenz received. Yes. Destroy Your life is in danger. You must tell me where Vito lives. Yes, yes. Before he can complete his revenge. I think that he leaves. I... <laughs> I think <laughs> Where should I put these bundles, Miss Lane? Oh, just set them down anywhere, Shrevey. I'll put them away when the rest of the furniture comes. Okay, Miss Lane. Well, don't drop them right in the middle of the room, Shrevey. Well, you said just to put them down anywhere, you said. Well, I meant out of the way, over there in the corner someplace. Okay. Hey, what do you got in these packages, handbills? Just odds and ends, Shrevey. There, how's that? That's fine. Now, is there anything else in your cab? Yeah, Miss Lane, a few more odds and evens. Mr. Clancy's bringing them up. Hey, open the door a little wider, someone. I can't get through. All right. How's that? What have you got in these bundles, Marco? They ain't anvils, they ain't. What? Put them down, Lamar, before he dropped them. Yeah, not in the center of the room, Mr. Cranston. Out of the way, in the corner there. Shrevey, will you stop giving orders and do some work around here? Certainly. What could I do? What could I? Well, there isn't anything else to do until the rest of the stuff gets here. I should have been here an hour ago. Hey, you want I should go back to the old apartment and get them moving faster, you want? That might be a very good idea, Shrevey. Okay, I'll do it. I'll tell them a thing or two. I'll teach them a lesson they'll soon forget. Now, don't get too rough with us moving men, Shrevey. Remember, the iron hand and the velvet glove. Well, I look what? Oh, never mind, Shrevey. Hurry them up. The iron hand and a velvet glove. <laughs> I guess that's a puzzle. <laughs> well, Margo, you thought of everything except one thing. What? What are you going to sit on while you wait for the movers to get here? Oh, I'll be too busy to sit down, Lamont. But you know, now that I'm here in this apartment, I'm not very keen on it. You're not? No. Well, isn't that just like a woman? <laughs> what about the high ceilings and the glorious view of the river? Oh, that's all right, Lamont, but... Well... This place gives me the creeps. I can still hear the sound of that horrible laugh. First you tell me you don't like the apartment, and then you persuade me to move here. Well, Margot, the reason I wanted you to rent this apartment is I believe that the solution to the laughing corpse may still be here. Well, that isn't going to make me feel any better about living here. Has the police found anything new, Lamont? No. A report from the medical examiner on Destroff's death was the same as for Lawrence. Death from causes unknown. And there was nothing in the little box when Destrop opened it? Not a thing, except that note. Here, look for yourself. Oh, yes. It's exactly like the little box you found in Lorenzo's apartment. How do you open it, Lamont? Here, give it to me. See, you press this little button here in the center. Oh! What's the matter, Lamont? I pricked my finger on something sharp when I pressed the button. That's it, Margot. What? That must be the way the poison was administered. After Destro pressed the button to open the box, he started to laugh. Oh, Lamont, then you... Yes, a drug. Now I've got it, too. Oh, no, Lamont. Well, nothing's happened to me yet. Why did you break the box open, Lamont? See here, Margot. A tiny hypodermic needle concealed in the cover. 
When the button is pressed, the person pushing the button is given a dose of poison in the fingertip. Oh, Lamont, come on. I must get you to a doctor. Uh, wait a minute, Margot. That won't be necessary. I'm going to be all right. But you... The needle must have been empty, Margot. Destroff got it all. Oh, thank heavens. You're all right. Margot, where's your phone? I've got to call Commissioner Weston immediately. The phone? Well, it hasn't been installed yet, Lamont. Oh, well, I'll go to the corner to phone. Come in. I just came up to tell you, Miss Lane, that the decorators are coming in tomorrow. I'll see you later, Margot. All right, Lamont. The decorators want to know if 8 o'clock will be all right with you. Oh, yes, that'll be fine, Mr. Laskin. Thank you. Oh, there was something else I wanted to ask you about. The plumbing in the kitchen doesn't work very well, and do you think that... For Mr. Laskin? What's the matter? Where did you get this little box? Well, I... I don't see that that's any business of yours. Perhaps it is. More than you know. Tell me. Let go of my arm. What do you know? I'll scream for help. Go ahead. Scream. No one will hear you. We're quite alone here. You. You're the killer. You killed Lorenz and Destro. Well, suppose I did. You'll know now, but it won't do you any good to know you're going to die. No, Oh, go ahead. You're frightened, aren't you? In a moment, you'll think it's very funny. Yes, very humorous. Please, you'll laugh. Yes, you'll laugh. Oh, no. And you will die laughing. Oh, please, Mr. Lustom. I've never done anything to you. No, you and your friend, Mr. Cranston, know too much, Miss Lane. You wanted to catch me, make me pay for my crime. I would never have suspected you if you hadn't given yourself away. <laughs> That's most unfortunate. For you, Miss Lane. What do you mean? You see, I brought you down here to my laboratory in the basement to kill you. Oh, no. Don't be unhappy. You laugh as you never laughed before. Oh, you can't. I'm preparing my secret formula. The laughing death. Oh, no, now. Please. One for you and one hypodermic for your friend, Mr. Cranston. Please, I promise I'll never say anything. Too bad I can't believe that. Oh. It won't do you any good to try to get loose. I took the precaution of finding you very tightly. Now... Now everything's ready. No. No, don't come any closer. Prepare yourself, Miss Lane. It won't hurt very much. And you'll be so happy. So happy. You'll laugh. And laugh. And laugh. And then you will die. What? Something not a hypodermic needle from my hand. This is the end of your evil work, Bascom. That voice. Oh, the shadow, thank heaven. So you were the third partner, Lascom. Yes. I was in partnership with Lorenz and Destros. Now I'm the only one alive. They ruined me. They took everything from me. You're out of your mind, Lascom. You blame them for your own faults. No. No, they caused my downfall, so I killed them. You vowed to revenge yourself. You came here, got yourself a job as superintendent in the same building in which they lived. Yes. I disguised myself. They never recognized me. You're a brilliant mind, Lascom. It's a great loss to civilization that you couldn't have used it for good instead of evil. The police will soon the be police here. will never get me. Shadow, stop him. He has another needle ready with the poison. Stop, Lascom. Stop, I say. Too late, Shadow. I've already administered the drug to myself. At least, I have the last laugh. See, Margot, the plan was devilishly well executed. Well, how did you know where I was, Lamont? When I came back to the apartment after calling Weston, you were gone. 
I figured you were with the superintendent. You remember he came in just before I went out? Yes, Lascom, or whatever his name was. His real name was Vitor. Well, Vitor disguised himself and took the job here as superintendent of the building so he could watch his enemies, Destroff and Lorenz. That's right, Margot. Then he sent them the little boxes with the hidden hypodermic needles filled with the laughing death. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lamont, just the memory of that terrible laughter makes my blood run cold. And the look on Lorenz's face when we found him. Margot, we didn't really hear him laugh. What? Well, if that wasn't a laugh, what was it? Well, you see, the poison in the hypodermic needle was very potent and worked very rapidly. It caused a sort of convulsion that sounded like laughter. Well, if you're trying to tell me that the victims didn't enjoy themselves, you needn't go any farther. (laughs) Is that why the medical examiner thought that Lorenz had been dead for some time when he examined him? Yes, the poison caused a sudden contraction of the muscles, a sort of pseudo rigor mortis. What? Pseudo rigor mortis. Oh. If you think I understand what you're talking about, you're crazy. <laughs> I'll answer it, Margaret. Hello, Mr. Cranston. Hello. Hello, Shreevy. Oh, Shreevy, is everything all set? In the bed. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, Miss Lane, all set. Oh, come on, Lamar, let's go. Go where? We're going to look at a new apartment for me. New apartment? Well, you don't suppose I'm going to live in this place after what's happened here? Yeah, we're moving. What, again? That's the same thing I said, Mr. Cranston. Ain't women... Shreevy? Well, Miss Lane, I was only about to comment, uh, ain't women wonderful? <laughs> I got out of that one all right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Mystery Theater's Old Time Radio. We hope you were able to solve the mysteries. Until next time, be safe. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.